0: Steve Vines is with us. Uh, good morning, Steve.
1: Good morning and Happy New Year. Yeah, year. Luck and all that. Happy New Year,
0: Abso- <laughs> absolutely. It's not been a great week for uh, food hawkers, has it, this no, week? not it's, really. Um... I
1: mean, honestly, normally you, you, you come into a show like this at, at the end of the Chinese New Year and, and, you know, you save up all these sort of mm. uh, non-news things because it's quiet. It's very, very quiet in Hong Kong. But here we have this extraordinary event in, in Mong Kok on the um, second, sorry, on the first day of the New Year, the evening of the first day of the New Year trickling onto the second day mm. and, you know it, it suddenly Hong Kong is uh, Hong, Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong Hong Kong is back in the international headlines and you you, you wonder why, well you don't wonder why, you know why but you, you do wonder why all this has kicked off but the question I think which is ask, worth asking first is who who benefits from this? Now, it certainly wasn't the hawkers who, who said, you know, we didn't really need a riot. Uh, mm. we, we were extremely upset with all these clipboarding bureaucrats trying to sweep us off the streets because generally speaking at New Year, the, the authorities take a, a lenient view and they just say, oh, you know, hmm. yeah, just carry on, but don't do it the rest of the Which is why it's year. surprising, right? Which was why it was surprising and which is why people were very annoyed. And I, I, I understand that fully. Was it the um, so they certainly didn't benefit, and they said, you know, we could have done without the riot. Frankly, it wasn't. And now I come a bit closer to home. It certainly wasn't the media, because you know some of these people who claim to be in favour of upholding Hong Kong traditions, one of which is freedom of expression, turn their anger on members of the media. Incidentally, so did the mm-hmm. police. So let's let's be clear about that. So that when you're attitude to an event like this is let's stop the people who are covering it from doing their job in fact let's beat them up that i think is very dangerous and very worrying big problem Mm. big problem so then you come to well these people they call themselves um I don't know what they call themselves. They, they, they say on one hand that they're, they're, they're people who put Hong Kong first, they're people who are Hong Kong separatists. It's very unclear exactly what the ideology is. We, we can come back to that in a moment, but the problem is that they're associated with the wider democratic camp. And although the mainstream Democrats had absolutely nothing to do with this and in various ways condemned it, the association falls right into the trap of the narrative that's been put forward by all these pro-government people, which is, if you have democracy, you have chaos. If you advocate a challenge to the system, you're provoking unease, civil disorder, etc., etc. Now, the fact is, it ain't true, but if you've got these idiots trying to make what isn't true, true... And remember, we're talking about, at most a couple of hundred people. We're not talking about a mass movement here. We're talking about a very small number of people who decided to come out on the streets and they use the excuse that, oh, well, they were preserving a Hong Kong tradition. This is part of their localist agenda. Well, come on, boys. You know, this isn't the way to do it. There are many ways of preserving the localist tradition. And, in fact, I mean, I understand what the localists are saying. You know, Hong Kong has an identity that needs to be preserved, Hong Kong is a part of China, but it's supposed to be under one country, two citizens. I think we've kind of heard some of this before. But they seem to think that by urging people onto the streets, by provoking confrontation, they're actually furthering the agenda. The fact of the matter is, the agenda that's really being furthered is those of the people in control. Number one, when you go onto the streets... The people with the real weaponry and the real means to to control the streets are not a ragbag of protesters. They are the forces of law and order. And I know there's been criticism of the way the police handled this and Indeed, it does need to be looked at, because firing live weapons, live ammunition, in a crowded area like Mongkot never seems to me like a particularly smart Not particularly smart at all, no. Mm, And mm. whether the police were sufficiently prepared and panicked, I mean, all of this does need to be looked into. But the fact of the matter is, ultimately, the streets will be controlled, not by by a, 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 a ragbag of um, protesters. Kind of thing. Mm, it will mm. be controlled by people who have water cannon, I who mean, have it, pepper spray, who have shields, who have armour plating. I mean, you know, look at what it look, look what the tin looks like. If the tin looks as though it contains baked beans, it probably does. I, I mean, something
0: like this, if it happened anywhere else in the world, say, you know, one of the Western countries, uh, the UK or France or somewhere else, I mean, it probably would be a pretty small thing, which would really get very little attention at all, because these kind of things do happen.
1: That's right. They, someone, happen, in someone, fact, they happen very
0: regularly. Yeah, someone sets fire to a litter bin, but it doesn't suddenly become focus of everybody, everybody's news agenda for several days. So
1: what, what's happening in Hong Kong, and this is, I suppose, the point, what's happening in Hong Kong, and this isn't a, a staggering insight, it's what everybody's been saying, is this very high level of polarisation where these small incidents, as you say, they, they actually occur everywhere, literally everywhere in the world. The question is what happens afterwards. So you have, for example, you had much bigger and much more um, popular protests during the Umbrella Movement, which now over a year ago. And in places where you have a sensible government, I understand that the first thing they want to do is restore civil order. That is what governments have to do. But the sensible governments then say, I wonder what are the underlying causes? Mm. Why were so many people out on the streets? Why is it particularly young people who seem so entirely alienated? And the CY Lerng administration says, I tell you what we need to do. We need more equipment for the police. Just crack down even more. We need to put Mm. cameras on their lapels so we can identify. And, you know, I mean, this is not... Oh, oh, and by the way, and this is the, the thing I always love in Hong Kong, we'll set up a committee. They, apparently there's going to be a... Or they're going to put younger people on other committees. Anyway, whatever it is, if the word committee is in the name, they love it. But Another the fact one. of the matter is nobody takes any of that seriously and, of course, it won't produce anything. Hmm. But, I mean, actually, in Hong Kong you have a history of this under the... And I sp- I'm not supposed to spit in a in a studio, but... Under the dreaded colonial oppressive Mm. regime. Of course, you had much more widespread riots led by some of the people who now hold leading positions in the New Order, uh, a.k.a. the Communist Party, but it's in drag and we're not supposed to know that it exists in Hong Kong. But anyway, these are the same (laughs) people. And in the aftermath of the 1960s unrest in Hong Kong, in which people died, remember, in which... um, the level of violence was much, much higher than what we've seen now. There was, indeed, a very, very harsh crackdown on the protesters. And, indeed, some of the people who were rounded up had nothing to do with the protests. Something that seems to be a characteristic of what's happening now. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like they're copying parts of that colonial... Uh... It's, well, you know, let's find <laughs> the worst aspects of the clo- But, anyway, the fact of the matter is that, that, that they, these, these riots were put down But what followed afterwards was something quite spectacular. I mean, this gave birth to the enormous public housing scheme, which ended up putting half of Hong Kong's population in public housing. This also led to an expansion of the education system. I mean, the government sat down and said... Okay, we've got to actually learn something from this. I mean, Mm. it's quite true that we've got to clear the streets. I understand that's always number one priority. Mm. But then you say, there's underlying causes here. People don't just suddenly decide that they want to take part in civil disobedience. There's a reason for it. The, The current administration's only real response to this level of intense unease is to say do you know the police don't have enough weapons? We really need to think mm. about getting some more tanks, in, you know, some more armoured vehicles in, etc, etc. And we, we, we've we got to think about what type of reinforced glass we need on police vehicles. Yeah, well, OK, boys, that's that's one response. You you, you wonder what
0: goes through their minds, <coughs> don't you, especially after the events of a year ago?
1: Well, I mean, it a year is actually a quite reasonable period in which you would expect something... Would have been done. I, I know none of these things happen overnight, but a year—you know—that's it's over a year. In fact, is is quite a long period of time, and you would have thought that you see some glimmers of intelligence. Okay, okay. I know I'm I'm going a little too far now, and I apologise to anybody listening, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> well we've heard we've heard a lot um in, in the last couple of days about
0: that particular story I mean, let 's turn to something else and uh m- m- maybe uh, let 's turn to the business
1: pages of the uh, yeah, the well, south china morning I, Post I shall have we? To say um, I <laughs> you know um, uh, I must admit actually i 'm on them myself today but 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 elsewhere mm. um I have to say there 's an interesting indication of how things are going to be developing in the post as as i 'm sure everybody listening to this knows. Alibaba has made a bid for majority control of the paper. That incidentally hasn't gone through. People seem to think Alibaba oh. is already uh, running it. When does that... Well, they, be, be, because the SCMP is theoretically a listed company, mm. it has to have shareholder approval. The fact is that the shares, I think, have been suspended for certainly a year, m- m- almost certainly longer than that, because there aren't enough shares in free float. In other words, the people who control the company mm. own more than the 75%, which actually makes it into a public company. Anyway, there's that complication mm. to be cleared out of the way. But the fact of the matter is the people who, who control the paper want to sell it. Alibaba wants to buy it, so it will happen. And so you have a story on the front page of the Business Post. It's, it's an interesting story, actually. It's about the takeover of this Norwegian software company by a group of mainland high-tech companies, mm. and there's this one, there's Tencent, there's the other one. But the picture says, Alibaba is not one of the players in the bid to buy opera. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, right, normally the way things work is if you're doing a story about, you know, it's like um, it's like having a picture of the US presidential primary and saying, um, Bill Clinton is not one of the candidates, <laughs> but others are. So I'm just wondering what the hell is going on there. I mean, that just seems... I mean, it, it's kind of comical, but it is sort of worrying.
0: I mean, I guess part of it is, is that Alibaba has been in the bidding to... Separately from the Post thing, it's been in the bidding to buy lots of different things, well, hasn't
1: Alibaba it? is a very big player. It's one of the biggest companies mm. in China. So, mm. you know, there. Are, I mean, I know probably they feel that they have to run favourable stories towards Alibaba and mention his name and blah, blah, blah. But that does not make a credible newspaper. Um, You know, very famously, for example, and and the example comes to mind readily, uh, Washington Post has been taken over in his private capacity by the owner of Amazon. Now, you don't see in the Washington Post Amazon not to buy Barnes & Noble. Amazon in bid to stay out of running for whatever, because I think the people who run the Washington Post kind of understand that they have a brand to preserve and a reputation to preserve, and you know, the SCMP is 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 a paper with a, with a history stretching back over a hundred years. It does indeed have a reputation, but. Is it going to be served by becoming a sort of house magazine? I ooh.
0: Do you think? I mean, do, I th- do you think that we're going to see more of these kind of deals? You know, where, where someone like Alibaba uh, takes over um, a newspaper or other media asset. Um, you know, are we, are we going to see Chinese other Chinese companies coming in and taking over other things like that in Hong Kong? Well, I mean, there has
1: been a lot of um, talk about this. Uh, more, more, actually, in, in the broadcast media and, and certainly in the film area than, than in, mm. um, in the written press. But, I mean, you know, it's now mainland investors who are controlling ATV, and they seem to have done a wonderful job. I mean, ATV is uh, – oh, that's right, dying <laughs> – you know, mainland investors are very oh, keen on all sorts of um, aspects let's of Let's buy a broadcast. TV station
0: that's lost its license. Yeah, Well,
1: <laughs> and, and let's make sure that it keeps that license lost by not paying its staff, by cancelling the news service. I mean, you know, so if that's a shining example of, of what's going to happen when mainland investors assume control over the Hong Kong media... Um, stand by. <laughs> we'll we'll watch with interest, Steve. We'll, we'll be back with you after the news
0: headlines and after Robin Schultz. We've seen over the last few days pictures of the North Korean guy looking at monitors of great missiles taking off. What does it
1: what does it all mean? Well, I think it means that 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 it, this ghastly ghastly little dictatorship um, has one thing left, and that mm. is some, some, and we don't know how much, but some sort of ability to produce uh, military hardware. Um, the suspicion is that actually most of it's being flogged to terrorist groups in the Middle East, but that's another thing. Mm-hmm. But, but this business with, you know, saying oh, we, we're going to produce a, a, a missile which we will then equip with a nuclear warhead and it will have a capable range to go to the United States, understandably is something that the Americans aren't pleased about. Its immediate neighbours in the south obviously aren't pleased about it. The Japanese, which saw the missile going over its airspace, were not pleased about it. And meanwhile, inside the country, what the hell is going on? The latest report is that the chief of staff has been executed. This follows the execution of Kim Jong-il's uncle who was the, the, the one of the most powerful military figures in the country. There's been a whole series of these things, hasn't there? And it follows the execution of the head of the defence staff. So I would have thought, as a minimum, and of course you really don't know what's going on in North Korea, but as a minimum, this indicates that there is shall we say, a lack of harmony between the, the, the supreme leader, the little chubby fellow, and and the the military, who are, of course, the most important people in the country. Does little chubby think that they're going to push him to one, or should I say, roll him to one side and, and take over the reins of power? What the hell is going on in that place? Mm. Now, of course, it has one ally, and it only has one ally, which is the people's republic of china which is absolutely its lifeline i mean it just has no there is no other ally nobody
0: and it's not even an ally in the in the normal sense really is it because it's more of a case of they're they're just trying to keep it
1: well i think if 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 china decided to join the sanctions that that the rest of the world is imposing Mm. and wants to impose on the north it would be it, it would be more than a nominal uh, difference. I mean, this would be the difference between whether the, the economy, such as it is, is completely strangled or whether they can carry on. And China's problem is that although they're really clearly very fed up and very agitated by little chubby jumping up and down, firing off missiles, bumping people off, they don't actually want regime change because this is the whole point about dictatorships. They don't like regime change. They... They certainly don't like regime change in dictatorships. And what they fear is, because remember China has a long border with North Korea, what they fear is that, that the new Korea, should such a thing emerge, or the new North Korea would be possibly a democratic state, they don't want... I mean, they're surrounded. China they don't want any is, more of that, yeah. China is very, very, very concerned by what goes on on its borders. And if you think of how many countries China has on its borders... Probably I, I may be wrong about this, but I think China has more more countries on its borders than any other country I can think of, and you know it is it does keep them busy, so basically they want everything to remain in the status quo mm. even if the status quo they're full aware of it the chinese are not stupid are full aware that the status quo is actually very unstable and very balmy
0: but in a way we can say that perhaps we all want the status quo in north korea don't we well, because- do the
1: people of north korea i mean you know <sighs> i've been to north korea just once i have never been to such a bizarre country mm. in in my life and i Fortunately, as a journalist, I have travelled around a lot. Why
0: bizarre? Why particularly bizarre?
1: Everything is bizarre about it. I mean, first of all, uh, as a visitor, you, you you are really not allowed to keep out of the grip <coughs> of your minders. But you go to... They show you set-piece things. And you see... I, I'll give you... A, well, this is where a set-piece breaks down. To get out of North Korea... There are two ways. You can either go on the life-threatening, and I don't... um, (laughs) I don't overstate this. The the (laughs) (laughs) life-threatening National Airline, which has two planes as far as I know, it may have got three by now, and you just look at it and you think, go on that plane and die.
0: They're they're the only people that fly, presumably, are they? I I think uh,
1: China still has a service, but I think that may have stopped... When I was there, the Hmm. only... um, airline was air Curio, lovely airline um so so bald were the tires that after the plane landed because i flew in but i certainly didn't think of flying out um that they, they had to send people with water hoses to, to to cool down the tires so they didn't burst they were so <laughs> my goodness that, um, that, uh, but you know sometimes you know how you get in a in, in a plane and you think oh maybe this isn't too good mm. You didn't have to think that. You knew this wasn't too good. I mean, the seats weren't properly bolted down. I mean, I give you a list of things. Anyway, so I decided that I've only got one life. I better take the train back. So there is a train that goes through into China. And what's so amazing is you've been fed while you're there. So this is coming out of the country. You've been fed all this. You know, oh, this is a very prosperous country. And... The, the minders would always say to you, when they, when they wanted to tell you an absolute whopper, they would always preface it by saying, honestly speaking. <laughs> so they the say things like, honestly speaking, the standard of living here is much higher than it is in the South. And you're thinking, <laughs> hmm, that's possibly not true. Anyway... So when you get on the train, but do, uh, they, do they believe it? I mean, are, well, they, are, they, the, just, are they just are just drinking the corral? This great, is or? this <laughs> is this is why I, I have no means of knowing that I really don't. Right. They never gave any sign of disbelief, never. Yeah, uh, and I mean the, the the watchers are watched, so you know they're they're and they're treated with suspicion because obviously the watchers. I went with somebody else. The two of us, the watchers that we had. Well, obviously English-speaking, because I don't speak Korean, and the, and, and mm. apparently anybody who speaks a foreign language is considered to be suspect, you know, are they loyal enough to the dream? So maybe they feel they have to be loyaler than loyal. Mm. But the one point at which they don't accompany you is when you get on the train and go back to China. And what you see, or what you, what I saw, or maybe it's not true anymore, is you go through... Because the train doesn't have enough fuel to go at, at, at its... Uh, given speed, so it goes very slowly, something like forty miles an hour. Oh, it's really slow for a, for a train. And so you see, quite in slow motion, all these people lining up on on platforms of stations. Just, I think, because they have nothing else to do. So we were going through just one, to watch. Just to watch. I mean, it's the event of the, of the day. I think this train is either daily or twice daily. It's certainly not more than that. And they all line up and look at it. So it's a so, bit
0: like a zoo, you, 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 yes, these you, foreigners behind yeah. there. <laughs>
1: yes. So we're on the train, and I'm looking at the people looking at us, and they were very, very thin, some of them. Mm. And while we're looking at them, there's one of these guys literally shriveled, just shriveled onto the platform. I'd, I hope, very much hope he wasn't dead, but he clearly had fainted. Mm. And you thought, God, what a place this is. So the big question... The question that you ask is: a, do people believe this is any are people in North Korea possibly happy with this situation Well, the people who who leave who, some of whom you know they swim across the the river, the famous exit point tell you that that there's a large level of discontent and and, and people keep buy, keep going by you know somehow finding goods on the black market and what have you. I mean, I can't believe for one moment that this is sustainable, yet it has been sustained mm. for all these years. Fifty years, years hasn't it? And, uh, and it? Yeah, and, you know, it's, been, it, it, it's a peculiar dictatorship because it, it's purely dynastic. I mean, you now have three generations of Kims have, have run the place, none of whom seem to have done it with any level of competence whatsoever. I mean, at least Kim Il-sung, the, the founder of North Korea, seem to have some ability to to fight a war which which is why there is a north korea and a south korea but 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 for his son and, and his grandson the current ruler i mean they seem to be people devoid devoid of any um intelligence but of course, you don't know. Well, you
0: don't know, and of course the worry is that, you know, maybe they're devoid of intelligence, and, and, and yet they still, I think, have four million uh,
1: in the army. Well, this is it. They have a security apparatus. I mean, it sort of brings back to what we were talking about Hong Kong earlier. You know, if your only answer to all problems is to increase the weaponry and make sure that, that the forces of um, law and order are, are, are better equipped, well, yes, you can keep control, but, you know, not forever. Hmm. And nothing is forever. And the point about dictatorships is when they go, they go very quickly. So I assume that when the North Korean uh, regime collapses, as it will, as it will, there's no doubt about that.
0: But that is like a time bomb, really, for all of us, isn't but it? You
1: don't, well, exactly, because you just don't know what's going to replace it. Mm. I mean, the, the the people who hate democracy love talking about the Arab Spring because they say, oh, well, you know, you wanted to get all, rid of all these dictators in the Middle East, and look what happened. But look what happened, and
0: look at but, Yugoslavia going back, you know, 20, 30 years, what happened there? So, Although
1: could, I would argue that, that that people in Macedonia and people in, 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 in other parts of what was Yugoslavia, Serbia even, are much happier not being in Yugoslavia. <laughs> well, they are but now, in, but, but they, they are now, through. but there was a civil... You no, know, indeed, I mean, this is the problem, this is the problem with, you know... In democracies, I know they're horrible and blah, blah, blah. and uh, But when you have an election, people don't kill the losing party. It doesn't work like that. So in its bumbling little way, even when people like Donald Trump are are, are going to be... Talking of which? Are going to be the candidate for one of the major parties in the United States of America. Even Donald Trump, I don't think... Is going to go on a rampage and kill everybody who didn't vote for him. I'm, I'm taking a guess at that. I hope I'm right. But mm. I mean, just coming back to, to to the Arab Spring as as a as a, a, a comparison, it's quite true. The ghastly, ghastly consequences of the fall of these dictatorships, particularly in Libya and what we're seeing in Syria, is almost unspeakable. Mm. But mm. the fact of the matter is that they were unsustainable anyway. So, you know, one way or another, something ghastly was going to happen. Mm. It's funny enough, the country in which this started, which was Tunisia, has actually come to terms with it. And Tunisia is functioning. And even... I know people don't like this comparison because it's problematic, but even in its weird way, Lebanon, which didn't quite have the Arab Spring, but, but, but... had a sort of disintegration of central government, even Lebanon actually functions, mm. it really does. Mm. So, you know, it, it the, the picture is, is all I'm saying is not that simple. But the fact of the matter is that dictatorships are responsible for their not only for the ghastly mess they make while they're in power, but the ghastly mess that comes when they collapse because they don't collapse neatly, they just don't. Uh- Peter Lewis
0: was very kindly pointing out to us that the year of the, of the monkey uh, in the past has been uh, subject to some pretty big world uh, events such as 1956
1: yes. which is the Sudan um, well, crisis, crisis and uh, No not the not 1956 uh, was the Suez, Suez crisis Suez, crisis, Suez crisis. Yeah, but it was and, the invasion of Hungary Yep it was the the um, it was the uh, year in which um, Khrushchev made this devastating revelation Speech of of the crimes of Stalin, it was an enormous year. So the question is: Are we going to have another year of the well, monkey? Well, boy, who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess we hope not, right? But uh... Uh, you, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I I must admit, and I don't know if you're allowed to say this on on RTHK. I'm not a great believer in uh, <coughs> almanacs and the um, lunar calendar cycles, but. Uh, but I'm not confident enough to say that they're total rubbish either. Mm, mm, so. <laughs> um, jury, jury, well out, I would say.
0: <laughs> jury, well out. Well, well, one indicator, of course, may be that uh, uh, whoever wins the U.S. presidential election, uh, which is in, uh, in in full full flow, I guess at the moment, and uh, there was still another nine, ten months uh, to run till I think it's November's the the actual
1: election, isn't it? Yeah. So, boy, is that uh, interesting? I mean, the two leading contenders. For, for, for both parties, the Republican and Democrats, weren't even members of either of those parties until recently. One is, I mean, you can't, honestly, you can't Adam and Eve it. You, you, you look at Donald Trump, who to everybody but Americans seems like a total buffoon. Mm. Mm. And, and, and I mean, you know, these things that come out of his mouth have no meaning. You know, once I'm in charge, everything's gonna be great, we're gonna kick ass, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do Of course there's no detailed policy because that's just for the little people. Mm. And on the other side you've got Bernie Saunders, who who has no embarrassment about calling himself a socialist. Well, there's nobody who's run for elected office. Well, except for Bernie Saunders, incidentally, mm. for for at least I would say five possibly six decades who's even dared use that word but hey there he is <laughs> pulling him in left right and center yeah. i mean he's defeating um hillary clinton who overwhelmingly has the backing of the democratic establishment I not it's... to mention her husband who was a hmm. pretty canny politician of no mean ability i guess it's early days yet on that though isn't it i it mean is. um
0: you know there's two so far two Two primaries, I think they've
1: been. It's just know. two primaries, um, and, and and the Iowa one, according to people who really know about this stuff, is always an indication of who's going to lose rather than who's <laughs> going to win. I mean, remember hmm. Hillary rat- won uh, Iowa against uh, Barack Obama, but hmm. at the end of the day, that didn't do her much good. And you know, the Republicans, I think in that year, um, chose Mike Huckabee. Who, who even remembers yeah. who Mike Huckabee is? <laughs> Yes, there's been a few of those over the years, haven't they?
0: Come and gone. Uh, I've just got back from a few few days in the in the states, actually. And uh, you know, I think the you know your comment about uh, you know it's only Americans who think like this. I, I think it's a little unfair, to be honest, because actually I found that most of the um, most of the Americans I spoke to were equally as aghast at some of the
1: well it can't s- be all of them because <laughs> there's quite a few of them who go to his rallies and vote for him
0: yeah yeah but uh I, I mean maybe it's particular um particular areas i was in um uh in the east coast and in the west coast in both of those areas which are obviously not the midwest which is yeah. perhaps where his strength is um people were raising their eyebrows certainly well isn't? let's
1: see let's see mm. i mean i think i think if you look across the world now, it's, it, it certainly these things are happening in America, but you look at Europe where political parties that you'd never heard of, you know, Podemos in in, 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 in Spain, um, the ruling party in Greece, didn't exist. Just didn't exist a few years ago. Mm. You even look at Britain where the Labour Party is now led by somebody who who, who was basically known as a bloke at the back of the room who, who um, was protesting about things but but the mood is yeah. now we like those people because they ain't the normal, they normal. ain't the business as usual politicians. What do you make of this thing that Michael Bloomberg, um,
0: you know who's just run New York City for, for 12 years, by all accounts pretty successfully, is going to try and come in as an independent? And, well I uh, think
1: he, he sees that the moment has arrived because he thinks that um, Clinton will be, even if she's chosen, will be so hobbled by the bruising primaries that she won't be able to do it. He clearly thinks that, that Trump is a lunatic and, and is not credible, so maybe it's time for a third person. I mean, there is no history to support his view. I'd mm. only say that. I mean, you have had quite decent third-party independent candidates vying for the role of President of the United Ross, States. Ross
0: Perot was doing it for yeah, many years, wasn't I'm, he? I'm not I'm, sure, was I'm not one, sure he was a decent one. I'm sure he was
1: quite decent, but, but there are better <laughs> examples, and needless to say, I can't think of them right at the moment. But the fact of the matter is, it, it is very, very, very difficult for somebody just to start from scratch. Hmm. And Bloomberg, other than in New York, would be starting from scratch to build a political machine I mean, it. it he's got is, the money for it, though. He's got the money, and it is very different. I mean, he did it in New York very impressively, but you know, running for mayor ain't the same. I know this is kind of obvious, but we might as well say is it. not the same as running for president of the United States. The sheer question of geography, I think, will defeat. But who knows? I mean, who who would have thought? that we'd be where we are today, let alone where we will be in in 10 weeks, 20 weeks time. So you know, although I'm saying that history doesn't support the idea that Bloomberg can come in and create a viable, independent candidacy I don't think I'm actually brave enough to put any money on you that. You never
0: know, right? You, you don't know, know.
1: And, yeah. you know, I'm not a gambling man, so I'd, I think I'll abstain from taking a bet. I think,
0: I think one's, one thing's for uh, for sure, that this year it's going to give us some good material for, for
1: this spot on a Thursday morning, Abso- right? Absolutely. In fact, I, I, I understand that most of global politics is now devoted to that very purpose. Uh, am I right? Mm. No. <laughs> Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Once again, Steve, much appreciated. uh, Some some good
0: good insights, as ever.
1: As us young people say, it's been real. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, see you next Thursday, thanks.